0: Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam Barry, who covers the Pirates for MLB.com. Adam, we are officially a few days out from winter meetings, and things are starting to circulate. Rumors are spreading. Teams are, are getting chattier with each other. We just saw a couple of things go down with the Mets and the Mariners, and Paul Goldschmidt's name is floating around even more. Bryce Harper's taking some meetings with people. Um, so, now we get to talk about the Pirates, because there is a name that is floating around, and it's not one I quite expected, but maybe you have some clarity on that. Francisco Cervelli. Uh, he's a potential trade chip. So from my perspective, Adam, I want to know, what do you think the Pirates are going to try and get in return, and who's going to fill his shoes behind the plate? You wrote you wrote a really cool story. If you haven't read it, you need to go to MLB.com um, slash Pirates. And, and read this story, because you basically did, uh, you made a case, trade or keep Francisco Cervelli. So after you wrote this, what did you decide?
1: Yeah, I think the way that I wrote it was kind of going back and forth arguments, to, you know, an argument to trade, an argument to keep him. And it's basically just my inner monologue coming out on, you know, on the page, because, uh, you know, it makes sense just in the way that the pirates operate that, They would be open to dealing him, which is the way that Jeff Passan of Yahoo reported it, just that they're open. And that's pretty safely kind of the rule for the Pirates with any player with a year or two of club control remaining. And Francisco Cervelli is entering his last year uh, before reaching free agency. He'll be their highest paid player 11.5 million dollars, and they have a very qualified potential starter, you know, at catcher in Elias Diaz, who was great last season in a backup role where he, you know, still played quite a bit due to Cervelli's injuries. So they have, you know, a potential starter in waiting in Diaz, and they have a backup who is now out of minor league options in Jacob Stalling. So there is the depth there to trade from. The problem is, you know, catching depth disappears in such a hurry that you are one foul tip away from starting catcher Jacob Stallings and a backup situation that is completely unclear right now. So I have a hard time talking myself into a trade there just because that what they have right now in Cervelli and Diaz is an absolute asset. They have every day they will be able to run out a good catcher. Whereas if you trade Cervelli you can't guarantee that that's going to be a strength. And there's been a lot written this off season about how weak the catcher position is across baseball. So maybe you'll get, you know, an impactful return for Cervelli if you deal him, but you're also not guaranteeing yourself, you know, the kind of production behind the plate that, that they had last season. And it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them in this position where they need to get better in so many positions to get worse, you know, in such an important spot where, you know Cervelli is so key to what they do offensively in terms of lengthening the lineup he's so important behind the plate you know even if some of his advanced numbers have declined and the way that he works with pitchers and everything that it's just hard for me to see them moving on from him unless the return is somehow going to improve the rest of the roster and maybe even you know several other positions but i just don't know if i see that deal out there given the number of other catchers available and the deals that are still left to be made this offseason so as you can see, I'm still talking myself through it, but I, I personally can't really see it happening, uh, you know, and it would be hard to sell because the pirates traded Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole last off season, and they didn't reinvest that savings necessarily into the major league club in the off season. So it's really hard to see how they get better by trading Cervelli and You know, this is their window, this 2019 to 2021, when they have Chris Archer and some of these other core, you know, Starling Marte, Gregory Polanco. And it doesn't make sense to be trading a 2019 player for a a prospect that might help in 2021 or 2022, because this is the window that they kind of need to capitalize on.
0: Right, and catchers are a harder position to move, I think, as a trade ship, unless you're a team like the Brewers, for example, who are potentially in the market for a catcher, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a Cervelli-type catcher. And I know JT Realmuto, the reports are out that he's actually turned down some offers so far. I know he he would like to leave the Marlins. And so it's it's a kind of an interesting market for a guy like Cervelli, but it just doesn't feel like... There's a club right now that that needs him that that right. um that they have no no other options unless I don't know maybe they swap uh, Real Muto for Cervelli I, I don't know.
1: No, I mean, there's, a, you know, look what Jan Gomes just got traded for. That's not really, right. like, an impact return. It's a, it's a nice return for an Indians team that's looking to shed salary, but the Pirates shouldn't move Cervelli just to shed his salary, getting back funny. to, like, their window being next year. You can't yeah. make that move. You are trying to contend not trying to save salary like the the Mariners or even the Indians just to cut back. But, you know, like, the Astros seem like a pretty good fit right now, but – why would they part with potentially good prospects or, or, you know, near ready players when they could just go sign a Yasmani Grandal or a a Wilson Ramos or somebody, you know, trade for Russell Martin to help behind the plate. There's just enough options out there right now that it's hard to see a team being desperate enough for Cervelli to give up the kind of impact the Pirates usually look for in these trades. So that could change, obviously. I mean, I didn't see the Braves getting McCann and Suzuki. I didn't see the Nationals getting, uh, you know, the catching duo that they have right now. Right. So there's, there's still a lot to be settled that could change the market, but right now it's just hard for me to see that perfect fit that would yield the right return for the pirates to pull the trigger.
0: Yeah, so if you haven't checked out the article, make sure you go to Pirates.com. I said MLB.com slash Pirates earlier, which should still work. But Pirates.com will lead you there and see what you think. Let us know. Respond to Adam. Go to Twitter. Let him know what you think, if the Pirates should keep or trade Francisco Cervelli. Adam, another article you wrote recently was about Josh Bell and I thought it was really interesting because obviously the Pirates have Lonnie Chisenhall now they they have uh Jung Ho Gong and now they're looking towards Josh Bell to provide some power his numbers were down last season and you also wrote about how the team ranked 25th in the majors with 157 home runs and then as a team and then 27th in RBI and so, obviously, uh, not the numbers you're looking for, but you are looking towards Josh Bell to help bring those numbers back up. Um, you know, why why is that so important for a guy like him to produce for this team?
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at he's a he's the first baseman and. You should be getting power from the corners. And now they might get power from Jung Ho Gong at third base, and you might get a little more power from Colin Moran heading into next season. You feel pretty good when Gregory Polanco is back in right field about the power there. Lonnie Chisenhall, when healthy can hit for power in, in the outfield. Corey Dickerson's gonna do what Corey Dickerson does in left field. So you feel good about your corners' offensive production, you know, to a certain extent there. But you need that anchor at first base, especially Bell is a pretty limited defensive player. He has to provide value with the bat. And, you know, he really hasn't done that, you know, with the, the position that he plays. He's, he hit 26 home runs two years ago as a rookie. That's what you're looking for. But he didn't hit for the average he expected. In fact, last year, even with the drop in power, he was overall a more productive offensive player than the year before. So the question really has become, what kind of hitter is Josh Bell and what's he going to be? You know, Neil Huntington always says they think Bell's going to be a good hitter with power, not just a good average hitter, not just a power hitter. You know, it's 220 with 35 home runs and a 290 on base percentage, but a full, well-rounded impact hitter who can anchor the lineup and preferably be that cleanup guy. Because what you look at right now is a lineup of average to slightly above average hitters which is good. It's a deep lineup, but you need somebody who's going to be that anchor, who's going to be that consistent run producer and a power threat, somebody that essentially other teams have to pitch around and fear in the middle of the lineup. And right now their best hope for that is probably Bell just given the, you know, the raw ability that he has, the power that he showed in 2017 and, you know, some of the contact and average ability he showed coming up through the minors, but So far, you haven't really seen that play out like it should for, you know, a first baseman. So I think this is a really big year coming up for Josh Bell. You could argue that last year was a big year for him too. But, you know, he really needs to kind of show that he's going to be the offensive player that they need him to be because otherwise that becomes, you know, potentially a position that you look to upgrade on because, you know, there's only so many years you can get by with below average defense and, you know, league average-ish offense. It's such an important offensive position. So Bell's a you know a a good guy a hard worker he's really smart knows what he's doing so I I think it's all going to come together for him at some point we've seen it for you know month long or two month stretches but he needs to have that full season where he's you know hitting for a decent average showing power and you know still taking his walks and getting on base and doing it all at the same time because when he does that's a really dangerous hitter.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A guy that, that this club really could use and, and needs to get back um, to form from two seasons ago. Adam, the last thing we're going to talk about, which I think is really interesting because I think we forget that um, there are other people in baseball besides the players who move around. Um, mm-hmm. Often we get so fixated on where the biggest name guy is going that we forget um, that there's a whole front office of very important people that that also take new jobs and kind Mm -hmm. of get, um, you know, the red carpet rolled out and people try to woo them away from their clubs. And a report from Ken Rosenthal came out saying that Neil Huntington turned down an opportunity to pursue the Giants president of baseball ops job that went to Farhan Zaidi, Mm -hmm. Dodgers GM. So what do you think that says about Neil Huntington?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the way Rosenthal reported it is that family and geography were factors. Huntington has his family home in Cleveland, which is a very short drive from Pittsburgh. He's got kids in college, you know, still kids growing up. It makes sense that he would want to stay closer to home to be near that. He's a good family man. But also, you know, Rosenthal said it it came down to feeling like he had unfinished business with the Pirates and You know, people are going to have their disagreements with Huntington's strategy and the way things have gone the last three years, despite what he did from 2013 to 15. But this is a guy who is pretty loyal to the organization and really does relish that small market challenge of competing with the big boys, despite limited resources. And, you know, there's a certain sense where the Pirates have invested in him and shown faith in him by giving him a four-year contract extension uh, last season, despite kind of the disappointing, you know, 2016 to 17 run they had and I think Huntington kind of wants to reward that faith. You know, he he does like being here. I think he feels pretty confident about some of the pieces they have coming along, you know, and the sort of young core that they put together. So, you know, it says a lot to turn down an opportunity like the Giants job, where he could have been the head of baseball operations in a big market with a very committed ownership, a giant fan base that sells out the stadium all the time, you know, or he could have, it would have been a a little bit of a complicated roster situation that Farhan Zaidi is now going to have to deal with, you know, maybe trading Madison Bumgarner, but you know, Huntington traded Andrew McCutcheon, surely he could have handled that, uh, (laughs) that kind of task. Uh, But you know, that was a that's a really prime opportunity out there in San Francisco uh, that Huntington turned down to stay here. Uh, I think it says a lot about what the industry values in Huntington, you know, that he would be even Mm -hmm. considered for such a position and also how much, you know, Huntington respects the opportunity here in Pittsburgh. So, you know, that was something I wondered about earlier in the offseason was with this Orioles job opening up with the Giants job situations that are, you know, not, not good right now, but had the opportunity to turn into a desirable, you know, landing spot. I wondered if somebody might pursue him and kind of the way that the Dodgers came after Andrew Friedman uh, when I covered the Rays a couple of years ago. And it was funny to see via Ken Rosenthal after the fact that uh, the Giants did in fact do that.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe Neil will be getting maybe a few more hugs from uh, some people around his front office and, and, and around the league for staying. Um, but yeah, that, that is, that makes a huge impact I think. And, and loyalty is, is a tough thing to come by in baseball, not because people aren't loyal, but because there are so many different factors um, that entice people to, to leave money, usually the, the biggest driving right. force. So I think it does say a lot about him that, that he decided to stay. And mm-hmm. he's going to be out at the winter meetings, Adam, you're going to be out at the winter meetings. I'm going to be out at the winter meetings and All we right. get to chat next week in person. And hopefully you will have, you know, chase down your story just in time for our podcast, big breaking news, whatever it may be. And, and we'll be able to deliver to the people.
1: It won't be like the last couple of years when I think we recorded and then immediately after there was news. I don't know if that was me and you or me and the Cespedes barbecue guys, but it was like, all right, let's talk about Andrew McCutcheon the next day. Andrew McCutcheon trade rumor.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's talk about something else. No. Like we don't want that to happen this year. No. We're going to do our darndest to make sure it doesn't. But I'm excited to see you. I know I know um, the Pirates have, um, you know, they'll keep their eye on things. And maybe Francisco Cervelli will will be a dangler. Uh, so see. we'll wait and see. Yeah, we'll see about that. But, Adam, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. With Adam Barry, I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So much for tuning in.